Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, in our last program, we listened to part of an interview you did with Casey Knowlton, the host of the podcast, The Last Hour. Mm -hmm. And in that interview, he asked you what you thought were the five best evidences for a young Earth, but we only had time in our program to hear the first two evidences you described. Yes, Scott, Casey's podcast goes longer than our Scripture on Creation radio program. In fact, in the interview, we talked for a little over an hour. That's a little longer. (laughs) All we had time for in our last program was the first two evidences I discussed for a young earth. The first being the trustworthiness of the testimony of Scripture, and the second being all the soft tissue that is being found in dinosaur fossils. And so for today's program, we're continuing with the interview of Dr. Ben Scripture on Casey Knowlton's program, The Last Hour in which we'll hear the other three of Dr. Scripture's five best evidences for a young earth. So in these five points of evidence, you had mentioned the trustworthiness of the scriptures themselves, and now these amazing discoveries of all these soft tissues and proteins, blood cells, things that are being found in the fossils of dinosaurs. Uh, what are some other points that you would mention for? Yeah, well, I would, I would say there? the third, the third area that is really important to me, and now this gets into molecular biology, is what mitochondrial DNA is telling us. Mitochondrial DNA. I'm not going to go into a big long explanation about this particular material, but it's a, it's a kind of DNA that scientists study to actually date uh, an organism. What this kind of dating is is showing us is that one, the human, the modern human race is not on the order of hundreds of thousands of years old, unless you assume, and absolutely you have to assume that chimpanzees and humans had a common ancestor 5 million years ago. If you don't assume that, then mitochondrial DNA from the empirical evidence where we're not having to assume anything. We're just comparing DNA from one race to another. Mm-hmm. Uh, the modern human race is on the order of six to 7,000 years old. I mean, that's hard evidence. Another thing that we're, uh, mitochondrial DNA shows is that the entire human population on earth stems from three women. Uh, let me ask you quick, Casey, which three women would those be? <laughs> uh, well, let's see. There was Eve. And, That's one woman. And she had other sons and daughters. Yeah. Well, you see, Eve, <laughs> we could take the mitochondrial DNA and go all the way back to one woman, and we can do that. That's where the, the entire uh, modern human race can be traced back to uh, just being six or 7,000 years old. That's was from the, one woman. Was this and, the Human Genome Project that you're referring to? Uh, well, no, no. The Human Genome Project is looking at all the DNA, the, okay. the, everything. But mitochondrial DNA is just looking at a little piece of DNA that basically comes from the mother. Okay. So um, it's it, it's hard to explain. And, I, and I, like I said, I, I won't get into it. But anyway, the three women... You, even though the entire modern human race essentially comes from one woman, not essentially, it does. Um, when you can, you can break that down into three subgroups or three families, then it is divided into three. Those three, Casey, would be the three wives of Noah's sons. Right. And, and the evidence is firm 
that you take the entire human population and there are basically three subfamilies. And that would be the three women that were on the ark. So that, that is astounding. Then the other thing is, and this has become just such a head scratcher that they're just figuring, well, this can't be. 90% of the animal species on earth can trace their lineage back to a common point in time. And uh, even according to their measurements, and that again is using this assumption of the chimp human ancestor of being 5 million years ago to on the order of 100,000 years ago. All species, I, I, let me be accurate, 90% of the animal species on earth all started their lineages about 100 to 150,000 years ago, all at the same time. What would cause that according to what the biblical record says? Well, it would have been when they came off the ark and started repopulating the earth. Exactly. And we have strong mitochondrial DNA evidence to demonstrate that. And this is very, very new. Within the last couple of years, this kind of work uh, was done, not by creationists, by some scientists out in Washington. So mitochondrial DNA, whether we're talking about what would point back to Eve or point back to the three women on the ark or all the different species that were on the ark is the powerful now, evidence for a young earth. Yes, very much so. So we have the trustworthiness of scripture. We have all the amazing evidence of the what's being found in the dinosaur fossils. And now we have this mitochondria DNA evidence pointing back to the flood event. Yeah, what other um, points of, of uh, evidence? First creation yes. and the flood event, especially. Yeah. Yes. Okay, let me see. The fourth one I would say is the degradation of the human genome. And this work, by the way, is done by a creation scientist named John Sanford. He was a professor at Cornell. He has his doctorate in genetics. And then as he studied genetics to the extent that he did and did a lot of computer modeling with the rate of genetic decay, he realized that the human race has a very short <laughs> time left given the rate of mutation. I think he is showing that in about 5,000 years at the rate that we're uh, mutating, the entire human race will be sterile. I think this degradation of, it's called genetic entropy, by the way. Okay. At the rate that we're mutating, you can't go backwards and come up with the human race being around for as long as the evolutionary theory requires. Genetic entropy, I guess I would say, is the fourth major evidence for a young earth. Most of these things, from my perspective, are biological. And that's because sure. that's the stuff that I understand. And I, I just look at those things and I say to any biologist, these things can't be ignored. You can try and explain them away, but nobody is. And so how do you hold to the idea that the earth has to be old when there are such powerful evidences out there, empirical evidence, not just hand-waving? Not just, well, it has to be, you know, the earth has to be old. So whatever evidence we come up with simply must be wrong. Deal with it. Give responses from good research that would contradict these kinds of evidences that are piling up within the life science community. Well, and as a point there, the entropy that you mentioned, that's a very startling thought and one that could be lead to some depression and hopelessness for those outside of Christ. 
basically we're all going extinct. Right. Oh, absolutely. If we don't have an understanding of the salvation work of Christ, we're all just going back to the ashes. We're all going back to the dust. We're all going back to the goo, I guess, for for many (laughs) who would believe in that worldview. But we understand that we're under the curse of sin and that this is what we'd be, we would be and should be witnessing uh, if that were true. Yeah. The thing that fascinates me about this is that this was something that God intentionally imposed on the earth back at least at the time of the flood. Now, it may very well be that God did this at the fall. Right. But people were still living to be over 900 years old at that point. So it seems to me that the real beginning of the degradation of the genome of not just humans, but of all organisms really began in earnest after the flood. We can trace back the accumulation of mutations. This is more mitochondrial DNA work, actually, to about 5,000 years. And so if the flood occurred at about that time, on the order of 5,000 years or so ago, then it's at that point that mutations began to rapidly accumulate. Before that time, it seems like even from the lifespans of humans, mutations were not accumulating that dramatically. So God intentionally changed the earth as a result of the flood, not just geologically, but it it appears biologically in the sense that now mutations would begin to accumulate and everything was going to live shorter and shorter periods of time. And I do think that God points that out in Genesis 6. He says the lifespan of man will be 120 years. I don't think he's talking about that the flood is coming in 120 years. I think that he's talking about he's going to bring the lifespan of man down to a maximum of 120 years. So God intentionally has done this to bring man face to face with the idea that you are dying. Mm. And there's nothing that you can do to change it, even though man loves to promote this idea of, oh, genetic engineering, and we're going to fix all of our genetic problems, and we're going to start living longer and longer. Research shows that that isn't happening. Even though the average lifespan is increasing, the maximum is not. And, and by the way, that's my fifth point. Like I said, my, my evidences are all from the uh, biological point of view. So this doesn't talk anything about from geology, from astronomy, and all these other perspectives that other creation scientists are experts in. Some of those are very, very powerful. The aging research that is going on is showing that 120 or a little less is the maximum lifespan of human beings. And even though the average or the mean is increasing, the maximum is not. And I would submit that that points back to the trustworthiness of what God said in Genesis chapter 6. Why don't I read that rather than just sort of referring to it? Sure. Genesis 6, 3, my spirit shall not strive with man forever because he is also flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. So God's intent in my understanding and the way I interpret that is that as a result of the flood, he was going to bring the lifespan of man down to 120 years. And uh, instead of these people being able to live for 900 years and just develop and devise grander and more horrific ways of sinning, he said, that's it. 120 is the max. And Aging research is demonstrating the validity of that. So that's my fifth evidence for why we have a a young earth. 
Okay, Dr. Scripture, those three evidences you discussed in that portion of the interview, I would guess, are not the normal topics put forth in presentations about a young earth. But you mentioned that you chose evidences that were all related to biology because they involved the types of observation that you were most familiar with and most qualified to evaluate. Mm -hmm. But now, by that, you're not indicating that evidences from other scientific disciplines like astronomy or geology are not as valid or significant as those from the life sciences, are you? Oh, not at all, Scott. I just felt that from a purely subjective point of view, my best evidences, in other words, the evidences for a young earth that impressed me the most, were the ones I understood the best, and therefore, no, are very potent challenges to evolutionary proposals related to the age of the earth and the organisms on it, and in particular, to the age of man. And with that idea of the age of man in mind, let's conclude today's program by reading about Jesus' understanding of when man came onto earth's scene. In Mark 10, verses 4 through 6, it says, And they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. But Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made the male and female. And that's not what I say, that's what Scripture says.